You're listening to the Curiosity Collective podcast. I'm Arpita and I'm Deepika. What does it feel like to be lonely? It feels like being hungry. Like being hungry when everyone around you is readying for a feast. It feels shameful and alarming. And over time these feelings radiate outwards, making the lonely person increasingly isolated, increasingly estranged. Now it might seem a little bit odd to begin this new year with Olivia Lang's quote from The Lonely City and maybe even to begin this podcast with this seemingly heavy topic of loneliness. You know because commercially right now all of December and January is this huge celebration we're constantly surrounded by these barrage of images where everyone's smiling, everyone's happy, they're exchanging gifts, smiling, eating together and everyone looks like they're cocooned in absolute security and comfort mm. right now. Uh, but I think the truth is that um, not all of us necessarily relate to these images and I I know that I don't uh there are many times when i don't and um, the strong narrative of joy around festive seasons can make a lot of us feel you know left out and lonely absolutely in an article written this time last year she reported on how helplines experience a spike of almost 30% around this time of the year and a lot of the calls also young young people or older people who like you're saying just feel out of sync with this idea of perfect happiness that's being projected and You know, but the thing is that loneliness isn't just restricted to this part of the year. It is become something that you experience, you know, year long and you know, day on day, and you know, so much so that in the UK they've appointed a loneliness minister now. Yeah, which, I read about that. Yeah, and you know, in India we don't really have extensive studies on the prevalence of loneliness, but there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that points to it, and you know, there's reports by psychologists and and counselors, and so much so that um. India actually is one of the countries which has the highest suicide rate in Southeast Asia and that was a World Health Organization report published in 2016 and you know just all of this points to how loneliness has become a growing concern and i think uh, the second point of loneliness being a particularly disturbing phenomenon that's taking place at the societal level is because loneliness is being understood as an important indicator for both psychological and physical well-being of people And I was reading how uh, you know loneliness is supposed to have the same impact on mortality as smoking fifteen cigarettes a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making it even more dangerous than obesity, and uh, so it's it's a genuine public health concern. Uh, so we decided to open our conversation with two lovely women, uh, Sonia Thomas and Sandhya Menon. Both women are living with mental health conditions and have substantial online following where they speak on these issues with deep vulnerability and openness. I'm Sonia. I am a content creator. I spend my entire life on the internet. I'm 26 and I live in Bombay and that is pretty much my entire life. <laughs> I moved to Bombay in 2010. So I've been living in Bombay alone um as in without family for um around 9 years now i stay on my own there are no roommates or anyone to share the space with and that's great <laughs> honestly i i don't mind it i'm not someone who enjoys socializing much so i'm okay with living alone actually So Sonia was talking about um, how she struggled with depression from a very young age and she was diagnosed with PCOD at 22 
And she said actually it was a relief for her when that happened because for the first time there was a connection between what she was experiencing and her physical symptoms. And, you know, and a lot of studies have shown that um, women with PCOD actually have a higher likelihood of anxiety and depression. Absolutely. And I think I'm seeing this occur in more and more women around me. PCOD is becoming shockingly common. Um, well, in Sandhya's case, uh, like Sonia, she used to live in Mumbai. And I think she misses it very, very much <laughs> because it came up in our conversation a lot. Uh, but personal circumstances made her shift to Bangalore a couple of years back. I'm Sandhya, Sandhya Menon, and I'm uh, a journalist. Uh, I was a journalist for about 15 years. And after that, I've been doing freelance writing for about two, three years now. Um, I'm a single mom. I live in Bangalore. Um, I live with my children. Uh, they're 10 and 11 years old. And um, I also work among the other things that I do apart from professionally. I, I paint, I crochet. So I moved to Bangalore about seven years ago, uh, 2012, I think is when I moved, I think, yeah, uh, late, end of uh, 2012. I was, uh, I came to Bangalore because, um, funny set of circumstances, I was diagnosed, I had a, I had a, what would I think be termed as a breakdown, a proper uh, breakdown of all sorts of things. Uh, and I was diagnosed with a couple of mental illnesses. I couldn't find the strength to go back to work after that. Um, so I moved to Bangalore because my parents owned a house here. And at that point, it was the best option for me to live rent-free. Uh, so I moved to Bangalore. So both Sonia and Sandhya, you know, have been navigating and reflecting on their experiences of loneliness in the city. And, you know, when I met Sonia one evening, um, it was one of the first things we started talking about where she described what loneliness means to her. Growing up as an only child teaches you to enjoy your own company. It's, it's, it's almost as if you have no choice. Um, you have to learn to enjoy your own company. Um, so for me, that's always been the case. Loneliness is more of a... Um, it's more of a public thing, I think. I, get, I feel more lonely in public spaces. I feel way more lonely at a party than I do at home. Um, because at least when I come home, I have the comfort of my own space, you know. Um, even the things in my house feel mine, you know. They, it's, it's, it's not as much ownership as much as it's um, just the idea that this is mine and, you know, this is home. And it, it feels like it. I've built that for myself. Sonia talks about one of the core ways in which loneliness is very different from being alone. And, you know, loneliness, simply put, is that absence of uh, social relations or a lack of affection in your existing social relationships. And, you know, in a survey that we'd conducted on loneliness, you know, people wrote back in describing their experiences. And it went from things like, you know, the inability to connect or engage with others to, you know, a lack of being witnessed and being seen to, you know, feeling a lack of companionship or unsupported and like all of these things were sort of the cumulative uh, voice of their experience of loneliness. Yeah, those definitions really, people were so articulate and poignant in the way they described it. And I think, I mean, city is a very unique context, which, which is very uh, specially capable of magnifying this feeling of lost connections, because 
nowhere else are you actually surrounded by that many people right i mean cities like mumbai mumbai is one of the densest cities in the world i was just really astounded to read that it has a population density of 32300 plus people <laughs> per square kilometer that's just it's a, it's a, it's insane and true yes <laughs> but yeah and that that density also sometimes creates a sense of invisibility right even even though you're amongst the throngs of people and you know, Sonia was actually recalling an incident where she described something that happened to her mother years ago and i remember my mom telling me this about living in bombay she was she used to live in a small town she used to live in nasik and then she moved to bombay after she got married so for her this was ridiculous she was like i fell on the road she fell on the road once um when she was in her 8th month of pregnancy she was pregnant with me and she fell on the road and no one picked her up and she's like she just she, she still tells me she said that moment i was so mad because i was just here and i was so helpless and i felt so lonely and that day i just cried all the way back home because i i i felt i felt as if there was legit no one i could reach out to and that is something i completely understand sonia is also talking about one of her experiences of being really upset and um crying on a local train and just how she felt in that moment i mean i was still in a ladies compartment where women asked me once or twice are you okay because i was very visibly upset but i think that's a boundary that people in cities don't cross they allow you to have that moment because we live we live in areas where there is such little space to be yourself to have that time to grieve to have that time to process that we realize that that's a boundary we shouldn't be crossing and we let people grieve on trains you'll see a lot of like women crying on trains and you can imagine those situations but you know that's a boundary that you don't cross and i think cities that to it and make you feel very very lonely so there is this constant tension in cities isn't there i mean uh, there is on the one side the joy of embracing anonymity which allows you to express yourself individually better or know yourself individually uh but yet on the other side on days when you're feeling vulnerable uh, it can make you feel really really tiny and small and insignificant and i lived in mumbai and i remember how common it was that i saw people crying in gardens while on walks around the city In fact this experience is so common in Mumbai but cuz uh, you know this movie called Gully Boy I think I mentioned this to you I mean it has this song called Kitni Duri where he actually says ab dekho to hum paas hain lekin socho kitni duri hai duri hai and he's driving this car in which a girl is weeping and he finds himself barricaded out of the ability to comfort her or reach out to her That's one of the first things you mentioned to me after you watched the <laughs> film. I I remember that and 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 that's class, right? Like right there that there's that unspoken barrier that you can never cross and and everybody knows the rules of the game. You know, and, and he's that driver and there's therefore that inherent distance with whoever's traveling in that car. And you know, all the early narratives around mental health and wellness have always put this very strong emphasis on the individual and it being biological and being a personal problem and sure in some ways it is, but there's so much more to it than that because you know it, it's all affected by the places we inhabit and our social circumstances the people we can access for support or not just the physical environments that we live in and how harsh or, or easy they are and and all of that determines boundaries also that you can cross and or not cross and 
therefore affecting your mental health every single day yeah and i i like how you're putting that because in this situation particularly right i mean class isn't a material wall it's it's not real but it might as well be because in it, it is stopping someone from the ability of reaching out being you know part of their support system and it isolates us and in in very similar ways other criteria like age gender caste disability even or uh, generation gaps illnesses all of these can be barriers to connection yeah and in fact sonia was talking about just how navigating a city you know getting from one place to another amplifies loneliness because of everything it involves and you know it's just so difficult and just everyone's so busy again this this loneliness can strike you most in public spaces and i feel cities don't have that space for support because everyone's so busy traveling everyone's so busy working everyone's so busy then coping with the side effects of traveling and working that we don't we don't think of creating spaces for support um and that's the that's the tragedy of it this being too busy traveling and working as sonia puts it uh, these are all parts of modern life that i think we've all embraced so it was also something sandhya connected to but what i found interesting was that she approached it from the perspective of the structure and form of the city itself where she where she spoke to how the urban sprawl the the architecture of the city the public transportation systems traffic roads all of it mm-hmm. uh plays a role in how you know we as people uh end up feeling uh the architecture of a city makes a big difference to how people interact with that city for me uh the loneliness in a city in this city particularly comes down to the fact that i will think two weeks think for two weeks before i visit my friend in maleshwaram i do not want to get stuck in traffic for one hour 20 minutes which is what happens um i can only do one thing in one day in bangalore and for a long time i blamed that on myself so then in i it could be a function of the fact that i don't get out a lot because the way the city is really uh if it's raining 10 kilometers is anywhere between 1:45 and 1 hour 45 minutes and 3 hours right and i don't want to do that really it's just i think of the petrol i think of the stress i feel just yelling at people around me being yelled at in turn she was talking about how she felt that we were breeding loneliness even in our children because the same problem of long commutes comes up with them so actually the city gets in way of them interacting with each other where you could you know walk 5 minutes down the street and visit your friend when we were children it's a different world i'm not even it's they're not even comparable but these things add to a certain loneliness right and that's my biggest problem with this city that it does not allow you to be warm it just doesn't in so many ways so we laughed about this because it had also taken me about an hour and a half to make a journey of 7 kilometers <laughs> to come meet her that day I mean it was ridiculous and 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 I think anyone who lives in Bangalore knows this for a fact that you know you can't just make a sudden plan to meet your best friend across the city you can't just zip around uh because I mean unless they literally live in your neighborhood and going anywhere often for me for sure is like this exercise in event planning and management <laughs> every single time 
Yeah, but that's true for all big cities, yeah, not just true. Bangalore. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, as you're saying, that that commuting and navigating becomes so all-consuming and exhausting that you know you actually don't have the energy to do anything else. And I remember a long time ago reading some research which said that commuting can be more stressful than flying a fighter plane, which <laughs> is just bizarre. <laughs> but yeah, I think you know when you can't do something with ease, then automatically, like you're saying, those social connections that you would maintain before. just falls away because it takes so much more effort to do that the loneliness bit hits when i when i realize what i lose when i don't have that physical uh physical sort of presence when i'm talking to a good friend your body betrays so much right sometimes when someone says something even the a person you really like if they say something that makes you uncomfortable either your shoulders tense or your you know your face shuts down a little or your leg moves a little and all these are signs of discomfort that you totally miss when uh, you're chatting on the phone and i i in that sense i sort of feel like i've dulled my my skills of picking up nonverbal cues i don't know if it's just me being me or is it uh, the fact that so much of my conversation happens on the phone that and so little in face to face that i miss these things or at least a rusty so sandhya expanded on this further through this experience she had of changing neighborhoods and how that led to a change in the interaction she had with the people living around her and what it meant for her give you a small and quick example of it in the earlier place that i used to stay um the general income level was very high it was my parents house and uh people around there were a lot older than i am so different space in life in terms of what they were earning and what their priorities were and all of that um so very different from me i hardly saw my neighbors i moved here a year ago and um, there's a neighbor there and for a year now we've been exchanging food and it just feels whenever i make something because there's a young boy there and there's the old parents there and i'm like oh you know what let me share and then it's just the nicest feeling and the kids love doing it you know this but the way that's softened me up in terms of that just that small action of sharing is just completely softened me up in so many ways i can see the difference from being hard and you know protective about privacy which is important in its and i'm never going to deny that you shouldn't be protecting your privacy but your space sometimes you can protect your space so much that you're just left alone that's really beautifully put and you know livia lang states in the lonely city loneliness is difficult to confess difficult to to categorize like depression a state with which it often intersects it can run deep in the fabric of a person as much a part of one's being as laughing easily or having red hair You know in many ways what she's saying like Sandhya is that at some level we've grown so used to loneliness it's just a part of our everyday lives you know it's it's a habit almost and you know so much so that we're all when when we we're at a point where we're not even thinking about how to change that story or how to challenge it and you know and that has such a direct impact on on mental well-being and how you're feeling I think loneliness is such a huge threat to our survival as a not as a an individual but just the psyche of humanity it's actually death you know because we're social animals and i hate using these words but it is what we are we're social people and when when loneliness hits it's a huge existential threat to us uh you know um 
I think I think one of the biggest reasons we find ways to survive is because we've got friends who understand why your survival is a threat. You know, I was thinking how in some ways loneliness is part of the human experience or like someone with some would say human condition. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, it, it it's like how you experience joy and sadness. Mm. I think all of us have these experiences of loneliness at some point or the other in our lives. Yet I think the nature of loneliness that we're speaking of right now, uh, the scale and constancy, which is uh, which is kind of being observed right now, it's really startling. And like Sandhya is saying, it's beginning to feel like a crisis that must be addressed at a much higher level than the individual. And and I think, you know, these conversations that we've been having on the nature of spaces and places and how they make us feel are important there. Yeah, and when you talk about, you know, spaces and places um, and how that increases isolation, I actually remembered, you know, Gurgaon and, and post the 90s, there was suddenly this big construction boom and all these fancy, very swish office buildings started to come up and they all had, for the most part, glass fronts mm. and you know, then there's something about glass that, you know, it feels really hard and distant. And, you know, as posh as they looked, it didn't invite warmth or, or any kind of support or, or companionship. It just makes you feel very standoffish, in yeah. fact. And, and, you know, there's research which, which is not conclusive, but it indicates that people living in high rises actually have a higher degree of isolation. And, and you know, in contrast to that, Sonia was talking about how um, access to nature-based spaces and like public spaces are so vital to, you know, to how you feel and, and to your well-being. And she was saying that going to the beach has become an integral part of her own wellness mechanisms and systems. I was having a terrible mental health day day before yesterday. And the only thing I could think of after napping for six hours was, I just want to go to the beach. I just want to stand by the sea. No one interrupted me. There was tourists and families or whatever doing their thing in the background. But... I was just there, I stood by the sea for an hour and I came back home and I was fine. So, you know, this reminds me of those lines by Rilke uh, and he says, when anxious, uneasy and bad thoughts come, I go to the sea and the sea drowns them out with its great white sounds, cleanses me with its noise and imposes a rhythm upon everything in me that is bewildered and confused. I was nodding along as you were reading that out because the ocean is something I turn to so often myself. And, you know, I think that's why despite also the mayhem and chaos of Bombay, it <laughs> works because of the ocean around it. Yeah, and I think in the way that the ocean is inseparable from Mumbai, gardens are insepar- inseparable from Bangalore. And uh, Sandhya spoke to this. We're, we're hugely lucky in having a cabin and a lalbag to us. Um, no one talks about this enough, but the smaller areas like a BTM or a JP Nagar or an HSR layout or an Indra Nagar have, have little parks, right? Little public parks. We take it for granted. We don't talk about it. I mean, all these young 25-year-olds in Bangalore who are complaining about no green spaces to go to, just go to the park. It's great. And even while she was talking about this, uh, I remember reading how WHO emphasizes the need to have urban green spaces uh, just because, you know, nature has now proven to have uh, benefits that are, you know, uh, both in the arena of mental and physical well-being. And I love how often we've now started saying, you know, that human beings are social animals. We need to acknowledge (laughs) that. 
But I think we also need to acknowledge this truth that we are very much animals within an ecosystem. So nature is really important to us. Uh, but, you know, tell me this. Did technology and the internet come up in your conversation with Sonia? Because I think it's evident that tech is in the mix somewhere in the space of human connection in the modern age. Yeah, Sonia is a huge internet enthusiast and it's also how she accesses support systems, you know, in her life. I have like my five best friends and my parents. If Even if someone's not in the city, um, I think that way being on the internet has made life so easy. I just have to pick up my phone and be like, you know what, I feel like crap. And I want to talk to someone. I don't know why I feel this way. I just want to talk. So she was talking about on how online spaces help her navigate, you know, the largeness of the city. And it's it's the tool she uses to reach out to like-minded people as well. Through Twitter and through Instagram, I found people who live in the same city, who um, probably are also awkward, depressed, anxious, do not like social situations. So I'm like, okay, you know what, let's hang, it's chill. Let's, let's hang one-on-one. We don't have to call five people or six people to hang out. It can just be a plan we make together. So this was something Sandhya referred to as well and uh, hinted at how the internet interestingly mirrors the city as in, you know, it's also a bunch of strangers trying to come together to form a community. And this whole thing about strangers forming a community, that's what we see online, right? It's, I remember the first time I reached out to a stranger and poured my heart out online. It was on the day, in the days of ICQ, I don't know if you remember. I mean, I poured my heart out to someone I just didn't know. And the seamless transition from being mistrustful of strangers, which is what we grow up with, to strangers becoming your community, that's happened for me in the last 15 years because of being online, right? It's, uh, these are people you choose. Yet even as she loves her online community and, and she shared her gratitude for it, Sandhya also pointed out how it's a precarious thing, you know, and, and, and what preoccupation with online worlds on mobile phones is doing to all of us. Uh, and finally, I think the final loneliness as a city that I feel is because we're not looking up from our phones. In a cab ride, on a bus ride, on the metro, I remember uh, on the Bombay local trains, you'll have uh, fisherwomen, you'll have vegetable vendors, all of them taking the local train with you. And just their weary expressions or their cheerful expressions, right? All kinds of vendors. Some, some of them are just bright and happy. And I'm like, you don't have even half the privileges that I have. What is making you this bright? What is making you this happy? You know, and then you start to imagine their lives and you start to imagine everything that may go and it's great, right? You can imagine either way. You can imagine a completely tragic life for them or you can imagine a nice, small, simple, but happy life for them. That skill is just gone. And when you stop noticing those things, and this is actually, when you're talking about this is the biggest thing for me. When you stop noticing these things, you stop empathizing with those lives. I really resonate with what she's saying. I mean, network technology is, is a, it's a tricky business because in so many ways, it allows for access to people and communities beyond the ones that you inherited. You know, and like people who just open up new worlds for us in so many ways. And and in other ways, also that contact with, with family and, and friends that you might lose otherwise because they are scattered all over the world. But, you know, you can do that video call and see their mm-hmm. faces. 
But the thing with it is it doesn't, it's not a replacement for that intimacy of physicality, right? So that in the absence of touch and feel, you know, grandparent can't sit with their grandchild on their lap and, you know, you can't feed them lunch or go for a walk to the park. So all those smaller nuances and intimacies that come with it, that becomes absent. And it's that dichotomy between what it allows for and then what is taken away. And I think in the same way, uh, it's also true of being present in public spaces like Sandhya says. And I think uh, what I really also liked was this additional point that she made about how loss of empathy is also a costly loss of perspective. Because in many ways, uh, you know, when you're on the street or in public spaces, um, you're actually, it's one of those few times when you're amidst a variety of people, a whole different set of people than you'd usually be. Because otherwise, we're often enclosed in environments where you have people who are very much like, you know, like you, they have the same histories, they're living the same lifestyles. We live among people who earn like us. Another way empathy dies, because then we have empathy only for the problems like us. And this is only in cities, you know, and in, in, in Bangalore, forget Bombay, you see a lot more. But in Bangalore, everyone restricts ourselves to this sort of environment where we earn, where we where we live in, in, in the same income gap as every income uh, group as everyone else. Yeah, and like Sandhya says, it's, it's almost like being in a fishbowl, right? And I remember how I began paying attention to the sheer diversity of Mumbai when I was working with an NGO and began visiting and meeting people from very different communities. And, you know, it changed my understanding and perspective, not just of their lives, but about my own life and my own experience. And I think in that way, the conversation today has indicated that, um, I mean, yes, of course, individual situations matter where the experience of loneliness is concerned. Um, but the nature of the world in terms of the communities and ecosystems we inhabit also matter. There's a dance of just so many variables <laughs> in there, right? Um, and in fact, the psychosocial approach, as it's called, where you understand an individual in connection with their environment, interpersonal relationships, community and cultural practices, is increasingly becoming the approach taken by uh, mental health professionals. Yeah, and you know, that's why when you're talking about solutions or looking at how to address issues of loneliness in the city, it requires interventions at multiple levels because there isn't one answer, right? You have to look at city design and planning, commuting systems, transportation, things like access to housing, drinking water, safety. I mean, all of that is as important as saying I can access a counselor or, you know, access medical support facilities who, you know, can actually care for my well-being. It's, it's all one happy interconnected system. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the danger of someone, you know, taking away this idea that we're somehow critiquing cities and calling them bad. I mean, I just want to address that because, I mean, this is not to say cities are all bad at all. I think we're all attracted to cities. Cities, because of the possibilities they hold, cities are melting pots uh, where, you know, people from such a variety of uh, cultures and spaces come in. And I mean, you and I have grown up in cities and, and we call them our homes and we love them deeply. And I think that's where the questions take us. And I think that's why also we're asking ourselves this question, right? Like, where do you want the city to go if you want well-being to improve both individually, but also as a community? And, you know, just to circle back to Olivia Lang, and, and she says, um, loneliness is personal and it is also political. Loneliness is collective. It is a city. As to how to inhabit it, there are no rules and nor is there any need to feel shame. 
only to remember that the pursuit of individual happiness does not trump or excuse our obligations to each other. We're in this together, this accumulation of scars, this world of objects, this physical and temporary heaven that so often takes on the countenance of hell. What matters is kindness. What matters is solidarity. If you are lonely or in distress and want to access support or help, do look up the resources we have put up on our website. There you can also learn more about how the issue of loneliness in cities is understood and being tackled. Our website is www.thecuriositycollective.org. If you found this conversation interesting, do share it with your friends and communities. In our next conversation, we'll be talking to Aparna and Tanuja from Initiating Concern for All or ICOL. It's a pioneering mental health project started in 2012 by the School of Human Ecology, Tata Institute of Social Sciences, Mumbai. Listen in to hear how we can understand the nature and kinds of distress experienced by individuals in the city and what can be done about it. This episode has been made with the support of Srinidhi Raghavan and produced by the Bangalore Recording Company.